Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Sarah, how do you use your difference to make a difference? Oh, I am trying to use my difference every single day to champion the cause of other women and I am gonna champion the cause of women till the day I die how you day how you day that was the voice of Sarah Dusick you're gonna find that Sarah's had quite the journey very full circle if you will aiding in some shape or form whether it's working in aid or aiding others to be able to fund their own businesses either way it's an episode that I want you to really reflect from your mindset, reflecting how you've had a perspective shift, reflecting whether you need to make her an identity shift and reflect on how that identity shift can contribute to the betterment of the world. These are just some thoughts I want you to take with you as you listen to the episode. As always, make sure you check the show notes for different ways to support the guests. And also, please, if you can support the show by leaving a like or a review or even sharing with your friends and family, that would bring a great smile to my face. All right. Enjoy the episode. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of As Told by Nomads. And today's guest is Sarah Dusick. Sarah is a managing partner and co-founder of Enigma Ventures, a private investment fund dedicated to supporting and investing in women-led businesses in Africa. In 2022, Sarah launched a $600 million capital vehicle to drive conservation efforts globally with plans to invest in sustainable ecologic quiver tree collection will be the largest investment vehicle of its kind. 2009, she also founded the leading upscale outdoor hospitality brand under canvas, which sold in 2018 for over $100 million. So she's a seasoned entrepreneur. And under canvas, received a spot on the coveted Inc. 5000 list in 2017. And in the same year, Sarah was named to the Ernst & Young EY Entrepreneurial Winning Woman as a forethinker and changemaker. She believes in the power of leveraging challenging circumstances to propel forward change. Welcome to the show, Sarah. I'm exhausted after listening to all of that about myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should be, you should be proud of your achievements. Uh, you know, I'm I'm very curious. I was doing some research on you earlier, and you obviously your entrepreneurial journey has been very very interesting. I don't know if the audience knows, but could you walk us back to even what led to your venture into entrepreneurship? I believe that was in Montana. Yes, that's right. But going back even before Montana. Going back even further than that, 
um, my entrepreneurial journey started as an aid worker, which mm-hmm. I doubt there are many people on the planet who can say that. <laughs> I, you might be right. <laughs> I started my career in Africa. Um, so I'm full circle back in Africa right now. Um, and um, spent ten, almost 10 years, just under just over eight years working for um, aid organizations of various different kinds, uh, all with the impetus of trying to drive change, do developmental work, improve economies, improve lives, et cetera, et cetera. But after eight years of doing that, I was burned out, exhausted, tired, uh, frustrated, disillusioned. And I realized that it's really hard I mean, I'm a save the world kind of person, right? And that's why I worked for aid agencies. Um, But it's really hard for aid agencies to save the world (laughs) because um, they're really good at bandaging and really good at providing support in emergency situations, but driving change, you know, creating catalysts and innovating and solving big world problems is not their DNA. But at the heart of a business, is that very genesis it's like can we solve big problems that's why businesses exist right can we solve a problem um and so uh, back in 2009 um my husband and i realized gosh if we maybe we're sitting in the wrong vehicle maybe we need to be in the business vehicle to see if we can drive some change that way so that's what happened we uh decided we should learn uh, not not just think that business is a good idea and that businesses can do good, but that we should see if we could uh, figure that out for ourselves. So that launched our journey uh, in Montana back in 2009. So this is this is interesting. You said you started off with aid work in the continent of Africa. Do you know what were the countries? So I lived in Zimbabwe um, and spent several years in Zimbabwe before moving across to the Far East and then worked in China and Southeast Asia a lot. But um, I came to Africa and fell in love with Africa and only left Africa because uh, everything kind of went south and Zimbabwe started to fall apart and the government uh, required foreigners to leave or hand over your passport and it got crazy. Um, and so I I left um in the latter part of 2000. So you you were there during the reign, you were in Zimbabwe during the reign of Robert Mugabe. Mm-hmm. I was gotcha. there when it all kicked off and it all went mental. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, yeah, I, 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 I just worry. It's still mental. It's still crazy in Zimbabwe. It's still very, very difficult in Zimbabwe. It, 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 I wanted to bring that up because I, I know, you know, right now there's a full circle moment where you are, I believe you live in South Africa. That's right. Yeah, I'm in Cape Town. Yeah, in Cape Town. And so you started off in, in Zimbabwe. You then moved to, I mean, you traveled to other parts of the world and then you you settled in Montana for a little bit to build on the campus with your husband. And then now you're back. Uh, the reason I, I'm having this this interest in <laughs> the, uh, breadcrumbs, if you will, is there was a mindset shift with you. You said you believed in aid work and you're save the world type of person. However, your mindset shift was maybe entrepreneurship can actually be used to save the world. Is that yeah. something? Yeah. So how did you get there Absolutely. and how did you do that? Yeah. yeah. I used to think business and making money was the dark side. I mean, mm. I really did. I and mean, I used to just think that making money is evil. Capitalism is evil. And there's no good comes from such things. 
And, um, you know, when you work for aid agencies for a while and you realize the politics that goes on with funding certain initiatives and, you know, things are in flavor one minute and then out of flavor the next minute. And, you know, there's no sustainability to nonprofit work, right? You are at the mercy of whoever's funding what at the time. And that's a that's a potential problem, right? Um, and so it does mean that can we ever get to the root of a problem? Can we ever solve a problem? Can we ever spend enough money or invest enough money to really, really drive systemic change? And that's really, really hard when you're doing that not-for-profit. And so the shift that happened in my own brain, and I, I had to go write a master's thesis to actually get this thing out of me because I, I really struggled to believe that this could be true at the time. Um, but the idea that actually a sustainable vehicle, you know, like a business, which you know becomes sustainable if it's going to stay alive because it has to generate income and it has to generate profit, um, potentially is sustainable, potentially could could stay focused on solving one problem its entire existence um, and could sustain itself. So that was the idea is could we not only make money, but could we drive change and and solve big problems at the same time? And my unequivocal answer was absolutely we can. There's no yeah. reason why those two things need to be mutually exclusive. And money doesn't need to be the enemy. In fact, money is what makes the world go round. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that. So then when you sold your business, what mm. led you to choose South Africa to be the place where mm. you actually start business? I'm not a business. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, we, I had decided a couple of years before we ended up selling the business. Um, you may or may not though know, but raising money from venture capitalists as a female founder is not very easy. You probably do know as a person of color mm -hmm. in a white man's world, it's also not very easy. Um, and so uh, I decided through a hellish fundraising journey that if if I kind of made this like internal promise to myself that if we ever sold the business, if we ever made any real kind of money, that I would plow it back into investing in other women um, and trying to drive equality and create access for other women and other women of color in particular to try and create wealth and try and level this playing field um, because I really, really believe that the people who get to build our world, I believe entrepreneurs are the builders of our world, the solvers are our, of our problems, um, need to be diverse. And if we're not, people are not getting funded, then only a certain segment of people are going to build our world. And that creates the disparities that we've got, be that race, gender, geography, all of those things that creates disparity. And so my own little world in my own little brain decided well maybe i could contribute towards uh doing something about that and maybe i could put my money where my mouth is and uh do something about that and start a fund and so yeah, yeah. private investment well, yeah yeah exactly so we started a small venture capital fund um and decided um that our money could go a heck of a lot further if we focused on investing in women who were totally being overlooked. Um, and so we thought we were ready for another adventure ourselves as a family. 
Um, and so we moved down to South Africa in 2019. And the rest is history. You moved right before the pandemic. Yes, we got here about six months before the pandemic. So yeah. about six months of normality and then three years of craziness. <laughs> see, see, it's it's fascinating listening to that because right now, you know, I, I the audience knows I'm from Nigeria. One of the things, uh, you know, that people always talk about sub-Saharan Africa, so countries in Africa and, uh, underneath the Saharan desert, people would normally always talk about the tremendous power of the youth. And you, you've talked about um, uh, the untapped market, uh, market of women, actually. However, one of the problems that, uh, that people have also brought up is this idea of access and ensuring yeah. that they have you know, funding, proper uh, you know, ability to establish the partnerships and to ensure sustainability. How's you, how is your venture different in that regard when it's you know supporting women? In terms of making access, they have the infrastructure to 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 ensure that not only are they un, not underfunded, but they also have the support to grow and have a sustainable business. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I would say from my four years of doing business in Africa. The doing business in Africa is definitely definitely hard, <laughs> um, and infrastructure gaps definitely cause problems. Um, South Africa, for example, has rolling blackouts. I know Nigeria does too at times. South Africa's been in a state of economic, well, electricity disaster for quite some time, and that the country doesn't produce enough electricity for her demands. And so, just doing business with when the power is not on all day long is hard work. But um, what I have realized about African entrepreneurs, actually even my previous life being here in Africa, is that Africans are so good at making a plan and so good at overcoming challenges and so good at figuring out like, well, the power's not on, but I'm gonna get battery back up and we're gonna create another pathway. And I believe, I really do truly believe that that creates a robustness and determination like that doesn't exist elsewhere. And that's where I think betting on Africans is a really good bet because they are extraordinary hustlers and extraordinary uh, visionaries in terms of not just accepting the way things are, but actually figuring out solutions around them. So yeah. I think the infrastructure piece is a problem, um, but in, I think increasingly connectivity is solving a lot of things. Um, but that's also what's exciting, I think, about investing in entrepreneurs that are trying to solve some of these uh, these bigger problems like logistics problems. We're seeing lots of companies come to the fore that are trying to solve some of the continent's logistics challenges. Same with fintechs. Can we solve some of our uh, banking challenges and access to banking resources, particularly for those who've not been not have access to banking previously. So that to me is exciting in that we're seeing sort of solutions being created out of some of the very real problems that exist here. Yeah, no, it's uh, it, it's it's an interesting place for you to be because you started off trying to solve mm -hmm. a lot of the problems. Now you are funding companies that could solve a lot of the problems. And some of the companies that appear from what you just said that you're, you're funding are seeking to fix some of those gaps that you've noticed as well. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, Very much so. And that's what's quite exciting about the work down here. Yeah. 
Does that so then I'm curious about that selection process. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Obviously, you, you still want to, you know, you're a venture. You're a venture capital. Yeah, I got to make have, money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have plans to make money. So what is your selection criteria? What do you normally look for? Yeah, um, I people often ask me this, and you know, like most venture capitalists, um, I don't like calling myself an impact investor. I absolutely want to drive change and drive impact, but but somehow when you call yourself an impact investor, it denigrates um the thinking that that you don't need to make returns. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe that that's true. I think you can make great returns and drive great impact at the same time. So we are actively looking for businesses that can drive some kind of scale, some some solve some of the biggest challenges and biggest problems on the continent. So scale is massive for us. Of how big can you be? What you know? What what's the size of the problem you're addressing? Africa is a massive market, and so how many people can you affect through your business, through your service? Um, how far can you reach? So. That's probably the the starting point for us. Um, and often that's reflected by how big an entrepreneur can think. And what I notice about women in particular is that we are not very good at bullshitting. Yeah, I um, mean, I, so you, you, you know what? I, I, I can't, you know, validate or prove that, but I've heard that so many times. So why do people keep saying that? I've read there's so many articles about this, but is it true? Yeah, it really is true. And I think what it is, it's not so much about bullshitting or not bullshitting. It's really about women like to to say, you know, when they say, I'm going to tackle this, I'm going to bite this piece off. They want to be able to chew it, right? They want to be able to say, I can see that I can do that. So they tend to think in terms of what's manageable and what you can imagine. And stepping outside of that is a little bit more unknown. And if you think we haven't had many role models, we haven't had many women in history to follow after and go, oh, she did something ginormous or she did something extraordinary. I could too. And so I think I think we've just been conditioned to think and play smaller. And of course, we typically have the responsibilities of manage, managing home and childcare. And I think that often limits the way women think because they think I've already got a lot on my plate. So let's not be overly ambitious about, you know, how big, some, how, what I could manage or what I could do. So I think for some of it is women just get more practical 
about what's possible, which means, of course, we eliminate from the equation anything that could happen. And then we don't sell the dream that says, this is all the things that are possible. I've got no idea how I'm going to do those things. And we instead sell ourselves as going, well, this is what I'm going to do rather than this is what's possible. And typically venture capitalists are looking for dreamers who go, this is what's possible. You know, 5 billion people are going to use my service or whatever, you know, something crazy. Um, and women just tend to get a bit more realistic and tend to be, uh, you know, able to achieve, but don't necessarily sell the dream of the impossible. Hmm. And, you know, I, I spend a lot of time talking to women about this and how we can navigate, bridge the gap between the impossible and what we can imagine and how do we enlarge our, our view and how do we, how do we think about doing, doing more? You know, it's interesting to hear that because, you know, obviously there are shows like Shark Tank and, you know, Dragon's Den, all these shows that a big part of the pitch is they're figuring out if the problem is it's in a big enough, enough market, market, right? It's in a big enough market. And so it sounds like you're, all right, so say, yeah, so it sounds like exactly what you're saying. You're saying that even though I'm not sure yet, but I'm going to take your word for it. <laughs> you're because sometimes I think it's a combination of factors. Because I do think that a lot of women have been hidden figures, if you will, in the past, yes. and people might have taken credit, for, yeah, for, for them. But to some point, you're saying they a lot of women have been conditioned, which I have I have heard to tell the truth essentially, <laughs> but not see <laughs> beyond yeah. the quote unquote yeah, possible. A bit more practical. A bit more practical. Less. <sighs> idealistic yeah. maybe yeah oh, um, you know what it even plays a role in politics sometimes when you hear a lot of politicians like you know they're yeah. just over promising right <laughs> we gotta <laughs> <They're bullshitters>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. totally. yeah right. totally and i and i, and I think it's it historically been less acceptable and less less normal for women to be like that and so the conditioning yeah we Huh. We just haven't got good at it yet. So we'll get there. Don't you worry. <laughs> I... <laughs> well, so, okay. So then that becomes something that you, you, you're also educating. So you're, you're also trying to create a culture change because in a, in a lot of these things, we have to acknowledge the patriarchy of this, right? So the, there's a system that has allowed these things, yeah. right? So yeah, you took, exactly. you've talked about a shift in, in a different system, capitalism, right? There are people that believe capitalism is evil, capitalism is evil and there's some now that believe no it's not all evil you can actually have a conscious level of it or you can figure out the mix and then there's you know there are people on the various sides of the spectrum then you have patriarchy and then you have different systemic issues in these in these countries i imagine <laughs> that in it, since you're focusing on it, it uh, building a business in the ecosystem and this intersection of all these systemic challenges you are also like finding ways to equip your entrepreneurs with the skill sets to be able to combat these systems yeah i mean that's that's my day job really is helping women think differently and painting different pictures and different perspectives and helping helping women see bigger helping women see what's possible and helping reframe the questions that they're they're asking or not asking right um and helping them think, you know, there's no reason why, because really, you know, there's no reason why we can't, right? It's just, 
we often don't. Um, and it's like, what is it, you know, getting in between here, our, our own heads and thinking, you know, what is it going to take? What's holding me back? Um, and a lot of that is our own, our own thinking and an opportunity. And yeah. so how do we, how do we create opportunity? And sometimes some of us need to help and create opportunities for others, especially we've been given much um, and need to step on up and say, okay, how do we keep pulling other people up? And what is that going to take? Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's right here in your statement. You know, you say we are seeking businesses that are focused on solving problems in sub-Saharan Africa and are either based or serving an operating region. And then you say your aim is to empower women to help create a more equitable playing field, drive progressive change, and still achieve exceptional outcomes. So it's quite the goal there, Sarah. It's a little bit, I will not lie, it occasionally is a little bit too optimistic. Oh, I love it though, you know. I'm, I'm an optimist, I'm an angry optimist, but I'm an optimist. <laughs> I know, and that's, that's the trouble, right, is how not to get not to get sucked into your own anger um, and frustration. Um, and I'm a very impatient change maker. Mm -hmm. um, and I believe many change makers are really impatient because nice. we don't yeah. want to keep accepting the status quo as that's it is right. and we want everything changed tomorrow. And I guess all we've got is being squeaky wheels, right? Um, and, and recognizing that if enough of us stand together, I mean, it's the ant thing, right? Is if enough ants stand together, they're actually more powerful than any other, any other creature that's coming at them. And it's like, can we, can we keep standing together, keep standing up for what's right, um, and keep focused on driving change? I love that. So someone listening right now who really is, you know, seeking to build a business in sub-Saharan Africa or even find a way to make an impact in, in the entire continent? How can they reach out to you essentially to be a part of what you're up to? Yeah, well, you can follow me on LinkedIn. That's the best way. Um, I'm at Sarah Dusik on LinkedIn. You can follow me at Enigma Ventures and Enigma is spelt with a Y-E-N-Y-G-M-A because we're a mystery. Uh, and who knows why? <laughs> I'll um, make sure I put but, that in the show notes. <laughs> Enigma Ventures, but um, yeah, those are the, the best places. But yeah, if you sign up for our newsletter on Enigma Ventures, you'll get all our up-to-date information and top tips about um, how to think and grow a big business. I'll make sure to do that. Uh, and I wanted to make sure I put that there just because I know sometimes a lot of my listeners, they are, they're very, you know, they're all change makers or aspiring change makers, but they're, mobile and so i'm like okay you can search this while you're listening to the episode yeah. <laughs> but uh, as we get to the back half of the interview i wanted to go back to you to you and your personal front I, one of the episodes i listened to you had talked about grief of losing i mean you sold the business but there's still mm -hmm. like the the loss of being a ceo and that grief and i think we it's not something people talk mm -hmm. about a lot and i admired hearing you talk about that but i wanted to know if you could share that with the yeah. audience what is that grief like? I'm all heart on sleeve. That's <laughs> I don't good have though. To cook, don't have to cook <laughs> too much and it all comes out. Yeah, it was it was devastating. I mean, people talk, we often think, oh, you had the most amazing exit. I mean, how extraordinary because I guess we get fixated with big numbers, right? And we think big numbers is the be all and end all. Um, and don't get me wrong, the big numbers were amazing. And they're helping me do what I do now. 
but um, the transition and the loss of doing something that you cared extraordinary about, you built it from scratch. I mean, it's like raising a child really, and then seeing your child go off to college and you don't get to go mm. um, really hard. Um, I struggled for a long while, especially with sort of the identity shift from, oh, I'm no longer an entrepreneur. And actually I'll always be an entrepreneur. Um, but you know, that I'm, I'm not in the thick of building something again, which is exhilarating and adrenaline driving. And, you know, one of the most extraordinary journeys I think you can be on. Um, I heard um, Nelson Mandela's private secretary uh, speak recently and someone in the audience asked her, how did you cope with the grief of no longer working for Nelson Mandela when he died? Because she she worked for him until he died. She served him for almost 30 years. Um, and she was extraordinary. She just said, you have to remember that it was good while the good was good. And that when it was done, you know, you, you get to pinch yourself and go, this was the most, probably the most amazing experience of my life. I'm, I'm never going to work for a Nelson Mandela ever again. Right. I mean, that's not happening twice. Mm. So be thankful that it was, um, but recognize you're not dead yet. So you've got more to give, more to do um, and more to experience. So it becomes part of your treasure chest and becomes part of, you know, the extraordinary things that happen to you in your life. Um, but it's a process and you have to grieve it and you have to reform your identity and figure out who you want to be now and who you want to be next and recognize that the universe is always plotting new and good things for you. And how do you figure out stepping up and stepping into them is the next challenge. I love that. That's, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm very into mental health and, and therapy. And, uh, I think grief is one of those things that you have to surrender to. But it also yeah. comes with so many lessons. And, mm. uh, you know, there's always that people always, a lot of therapists remind you that you're not, you're not your feelings, you're not your thoughts, and you sense that you're bigger than that. But there, there's, there are some pieces of information that you can filter yeah. through that. And so it's, it's really about doing this at the same time. Well, I mean, you've done a great job of transitioning, <laughs> Sarah. It seems like you found <laughs> purpose after uh, yeah. your last business and you're helping others fund their purposes so uh, this segues into my last question i always ask all my guests uh, this question my mission statement is use your difference to make a difference mm. so sarah how do you use your difference to make a difference ah uh, i am trying to use my difference every single day to champion the cause of other women mm. and i am gonna champion the cause of women till the day i die Wow. Well said. So there you have it. Sarah Dusik, <laughs> uh, <laughs> who is helping to make an impact significantly in the lives of women and ensuring that we don't live in an inequitable world. I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been fun. It's been great. I've loved it. Thanks for having me. The pleasure is mine. Kings, queens, and royalty. Until next time, use your difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com.
Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.